is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. want to thank you for being with us. And I need to go back and do a little correction on my show yesterday morning. I uh, had gone over to Pullman Friday morning and gone to the game Friday night and great win for the Cougs. And one of the highlights, of course, was the uh, 98-yard kickoff return by Leighton Smithson. And somewhere along the line, I said he was from Shuxon High School instead of Squalicum, and I apologize for that boo-boo. I also noted that I helped support the NIL program for Whatcom County students, the athletic students that are over at WSU, and Leighton is one of those, so uh, it was nice to see him have that great evening and that great game. And uh, again, I want to make sure that I mentioned he went to Squalicum, not, not Shuxon, pardon me. And let's take a look here. We're going to start out today talking about the election outlook is a tax outlook. You know, we're less than a year away from a presidential election and the control of the White House, the Senate, the House. They're all up for grabs. One of the biggest issues facing the winners is going to be how to handle the federal budget. We are now set a couple months ago the U.S. is currently running the most reckless budget in the history of the country. Never before has the deficit soared so quickly to such a high level when the U.S. is still at peace and not in a recession. No wonder Moody's has announced that it is downgrading the outlook of the U.S. debt to negative from stable. They claim it's because the political polarization on top of the deficit itself. But that seems odd. Moody's makes it sound like we'd be better off if no one on Capitol Hill cared at all about the deficit because then our institutions wouldn't be polarized. The way we see it, thank goodness that there are some politicians focused on the deficit, even if it's what's causing more polarization. For the presidency, we think 2024 is likely to be a rerun of 2020, Biden versus Trump, although retiring Senator Joe Manchin can throw a monkey wrench into the election if he can find a Republican to run with him. At this point, we think Trump would be the slight favorite, but he'll face a constant challenge given how much the electorate dislikes him. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives is likely, but not definitely, going to go to the party that wins the White House. But the Senate is an easier call, with the GOP an excellent political position to win for fundamental reasons. At present, the GOP has 49 seats, but Republicans don't have to defend any of the seats in blue Democratic states, and they only have to defend one seat in a purple state, Florida, which is very unlikely to suddenly lurch back towards the Democrats, given the recent popularity of Republican governance in that particular state. In other words, we do not see a route for the Democrats to win any seats now held by the GOP. However, there are multiple seats where the Democrats are vulnerable. Now that Joe Manchin is retiring, it's extremely likely that the GOP will pick up West Virginia, with popular Governor Jim Justice having thrown his hat in the ring. Republicans are also favored to knock off an incumbent Democrat in Ohio. Plus, they have a shot in Montana, as well as in Arizona and Nevada. In turn, the election will have a major influence on what happens to the Trump tax cuts originally enacted in 2017, when which are set to expire at the end of 2025. We think the odds of a GOP sweep are about 30%, which would probably result in a full extension of those tax cuts and the GOP pushing through substantial reforms to Medicaid, as well as major budget cuts outside of the national defense. If the Democrats sweep, we put those odds at about 20%. You need to look for substantial tax hikes on individuals and businesses alike, and not just on the rich. And that leaves us a 50% chance of a mixed government, in which case expect modest tax hikes, a slightly higher top rate for individuals, a slightly higher rate on companies, but with lots of talk and little action on cutting government down to size. And without spending cuts, you need to expect negative outlooks to turn into outright and deserved downgrades in the years ahead. Looking at our global wrap-up for the week, we saw the market price a quicker Fed pivot. 
we saw global equities rose as improved U.S. inflation data reinforced the notion that the U.S. Federal Reserve's tightening cycle has ended. The yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury note declined 13 basis points, that would be 0.13%, from last Friday to 4.46%, while the price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil fell $1.50 to $75.25. Volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, fell to 13.8 from 15 a week ago. And looking at our macro news, we found that markets are rallying as U.S. inflation declines. Consumer prices were unchanged from the month before and rose 3.2% year-over-year, down from 3.7% in October. The core rate, at which excludes food and energy, rose 4% from a year ago. That's the highest level since September of 21. Markets reacted jubilantly to the data from the U.S. 10-year Treasury yields falling around 20 basis points on this news, and equities extended recent gains of more than 9% above their late October lows as the odds of a U.S. economy experiencing a soft landing increased. Investors abandoned bets that the Fed will hike one last time or pricing in early rate cuts. And the chance of a rate cut in May jumped from 22% before the data to nearly 90% today. Contributing to the risk on market tone has been a significant loosening in financial conditions. In addition to higher stock prices and lower bond yields, the dollar weakened and credit spreads tightened up. And we're seeing that Chinese President Xi Jinping and U.S. President Joe Biden met on the sidelines of the APEC summit in San Francisco on Wednesday. This was their first face-to-face meeting in a year. And the leaders agreed to resume military contacts, restart cooperation on choking off key ingredients for making fentanyl, and open a dialogue on the risk posed by artificial intelligence. Xi told a group of American executives that he wants friendly relations with the U.S. and has no interest in fighting either a cold or a hot war. Attendees said that they were surprised that Xi steered clear of discussing trade and investment. We saw the U.S. Congress is avoiding the budget drama. The Congress passed a continuing resolution on Wednesday, funding parts of the government through mid-January and other departments through early February. The bill contained no spending cuts, nor did it include supplemental aid for Israel or Ukraine. Republican members of the House of Representatives allowed the bill to pass despite sizable opposition from within the GOP caucus rather than derailing newly elected Speaker Mike Johnson's first major piece of legislation. Without the legislation, which is expected to be signed by President Biden, funding would have lapsed at midnight on Friday. And some of our quick hits for the week, we saw that Germany's constitutional court ruled against the government transfer of COVID emergency funds to its climate fund. This effectively reduces Germany's borrowing capacity by 60 billion euros, a short-term fiscal drag at a time when their economy is in stall speed. We saw three Fed governors, including Vice Chair Philip Johnson, responded to a question from Senator Rick Scott, saying that the size of the Fed's balance sheet should, could decline considerably, but the ultimate size of the balance sheet will be determined by market demand for reserves and currency. And late last Friday, Moody's cut its outlook for U.S. government debt to negative from stable, citing deficits and political polarization. A Financial Times poll found that 14% of Americans feel better off financially than when Biden took office. That's a headwind for his re-election prospects. 82% said that price increases were their biggest source of financial stress. And we saw British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak reshuffled his cabinet this week, bringing former Prime Minister David Cameron back into the government as Foreign Secretary. Also, in October, the inflation rate in the United Kingdom fell to a two-year low of 4.6% year-over-year from 6.7% in September. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks for being with us. Thinking about solar? Call Western Solar, the local experts with over 2,000 residential and commercial installations. The team at Western Solar always strives to go above and beyond to make sure their customers are as satisfied as this recent reviewer. Western Solar is an excellent example of a high-quality local business. They do a really good job of working with homeowners to get a system that meets the owner's needs. Never felt like I was being sold to or that they were trying to oversell anything. 
They provide top-of-the-line products and don't overestimate the system's ability to win the bid. They aren't the cheapest solar installer in the area, but you get what you pay for. For a 20-plus year investment, do yourself a huge favor and pay a bit more so you have top quality products and support. Western Solar is also the highest category of installer within Panasonic's Triple Guard Warranty Program with the longest and most comprehensive warranty in the industry. Call Western Solar in Bellingham to schedule your free estimate today at westernsolarinc.com. Dedicated to service, shining a light on local individuals, law enforcement, and groups giving back to our community. Brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury in Bellingham. Dedicated to Service congratulates Allied Arts of Whatcom County upon their selection this year for the Community Impact Award. Allied Arts of Whatcom County is one of nine honorees of the 2023 Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards, the highest honor bestowed by the Governor's Office for accomplishments in arts and culture. Active since 1979, the staff and volunteers of Allied Arts of Whatcom County empower artists via events and gallery space, enrich school children through education outreach, and work as local liaisons to art and enthusiasts of all ages. Congratulations to all and thank you for your service to our community. Dedicated to Service is brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury with Bellingham's finest selection of jewelry including GIA certified diamonds and lab-grown diamonds and custom design. Nieder House of Luxury, 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107, next to Lombardi's Back Patio. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Nick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. As always, thank you for being with us. We are Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway, halfway out to Ferndale on your right, in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. Okay, continuing on with some of our global roundout, we're saying that China is considering providing at least 1 trillion yen, that's $137 billion, in new low-cost loans to shore up their struggling property market. That's according to Bloomberg. And the People's Bank of China, which would inject funds through policy banks in phases with the money ultimately trickling down to households for home purchases, according to the report. We saw industrial production in the Eurozone posted its seventh straight monthly decline in September, falling 1.1%. Sentiment among U.S. home builders fell to its lowest level since late 22, when the Fed was raising rates at three-quarters of percent increments, the housing market index slipped to 34 in November from 40 in October. However, belaying the gloomy outlook, housing starts and building permits tick higher in October. And the Bank of Japan continues to lay groundwork to exit its negative interest rate policy in early 24 after a series of hawkish comments by Governor Kazuo Yuda. And we're seeing that China's home price decline deepened in October, with residential property prices slumping 0.38% in October. That's the most in eight years. And looking at our earnings news summary for the week, we found that with just under 95% of the constituents of the S&P 500 index having reported for the third quarter of 23, blended earnings per share which combines reported data with estimates for those that have yet to report, shows that earnings rose 4.3% compared with the same quarter a year ago, according to data from FactSet. Sales growth is up 2.2% year over year. Let's get into some more information on some of these economic reports for the week. We'll start with our October Consumer Price Index report. And the Federal Reserve has gained traction in its fight against inflation, but the battle is not fully over. More important, we continue to believe that monetary policies tight enough to bring inflation down is also tight enough to induce an eventual recession. Consumer prices were unchanged in October on an overall basis, but were held down by volatile energy prices, which fell 2.5% after outsized increases the prior two months. The year-ago comparison moved down to 3.2%, That's a huge improvement versus the 7.7% reading in the year ending in October. 
However, inflation is still a problem with consumer prices up 4.4% at an annualized rate in the last three months. Stripping out energy and its often volatile counterpart, food prices, which were up three-tenths of 1% in October, core prices rose two-tenths, and the 12-month comparison ticked down to a still-elevated 4%, not as much as an improvement versus the 6.3% reading in October of 22. Taking a deeper look under the inflation hood, rental inflation, both for actual tenants and the imputed rental value of owner-occupied homes, continues to run hot, up four-tenths of one percent for the month, and running to close at or above six percent annualized rate over three, six, and twelve-month time frames. Meanwhile, a subset category of inflation that the Fed is watching closely, known as the super core, which excludes food, energy, and goods, and housing rents rose two-tenths of one percent in October. This measure is up 3.7% in the last 12 months, but has been accelerating of late, up at a 4.9% annualized rate in the last three months. No matter which way you cut it, inflation is still not where the Fed wants it to be. With interest rates now above inflation across the yield curve and the M2 measure of money supply down 3.6% in the last year, money is tight but it remains to be seen how quickly this will translate into bringing inflation down to the Fed's 2% target. It's also important to note that even with inflation target is eventually reached, prices will remain permanently adjusted versus their pre-COVID level. For example, food prices have now risen 39 months in a row on up 24% since COVID, owing to the significant money creation over the last few years. As for the economy, we continue to believe a recession is on the way. Equity investors should remain vigilant as we navigate through what we feel are unprecedented times. And the October Producer Price Index report came out this week also, and there's plenty in this report on producer prices that the Fed and the markets would are happy to see. But it doesn't mean it's time to declare final victory in the fight against inflation. The year-ago comparison for producer prices is up 1.3%, but has fallen considerably since its 11.7% peak in March of 22. Keep in mind, though, that much of the moderation is due to outsized jumps in inflation immediately after the invasion of Ukraine last year, which is now rolling off a year-ago calculations. The energy prices have been a major contributor to outsized swings in month-to-month -month inflation readings. This month is no exception, with energy prices falling 6.5%. That's the fifth move of 5% plus in the last year alone. Taking a look at the details of these reports show that core prices, which excludes the typically volatile food and energy components, were unchanged in October and are up 2.4% in the last year. Goods sector fell 1.4% on the back of a 15.3% decline in gasoline prices. If you strip out just energy, the goods prices were unchanged for the month. Service prices were unchanged in October as higher costs for transportation and warehousing were tempered by a decline in margins received by wholesalers. We also saw prices further down the pipeline fell in October. Immediate demand processed goods declined nine-tenths of one percent. They're down four and a half percent in the last year. And meanwhile, unprocessed goods fell 1.4 percent in October. That's following a two percent increase in each of the prior three months. These prices remain down 14 percent in the last year. Sufficiently tight money supply is doing its job, but now it's on the Fed to see the mission through to completion. And we also got the October retail sales report out this week. And after a few exceptionally strong months, retail sales were expected to fall three-tenths of one percent in October. Instead, retail sales fell only one-tenth of one percent, and they were unchanged after factoring in positive revisions in prior months. Sales declined in seven of 13 major categories for the month led by autos, which slipped one percent, followed by sales of furniture stores down 2%, and gas stations down 3 tenths of 1%. After the rapid increase in gasoline prices over the last few months, it was a surprise that gas stations didn't fall by more as prices at the pump have come down significantly and suggest more driving by American consumers. 
core sales, which exclude volatile categories such as autos, building materials, and gas stations, crucial for estimating GDP, increased by two-tenths of one percent in October. They were revised upward for previous months, starting the fourth quarter on a respectable note. However, while overall retail sales were boosted during the COVID because consumers were held back from spending on services, still sit close to the record highs and unadjusted for inflation. In real inflation-adjusted terms, they have already rolled over. Retail sales peaked back in April 22. They've since declined by 2.1% from the peak. It's been 40 years since the U.S. has had an inflation problem, so it's important to remember that it can distort data. Our view remains that the tightening in monetary policy since last year will eventually deliver a recession. You can expect more deterioration in real retail sales later this year, and into next as tighter credit conditions along with higher borrowing costs start to take a toll. In other news, the Empire State Index, which is a measure of the New York factory sentiment, rose to plus 9.1 in November. It was a minus 4.6 in October. We'll be watching other regional surveys closely for hints about the path of the industrial sectors across the country. This is Dick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. KGMI has been the voice of our community for over 90 years, presenting the news and information that matters here while also offering you the chance to have your voice heard. And that commitment continues. Start your day with the KGMI Morning News with Deanna Harrelock from 6 to 9. And don't miss your chance to voice your opinion on the news of the day with Joe Tian on KGMI Connects each weekday at 4. KGMI is your news talk station. Another D&D insurance commercial? Ah, and yes, it's that time of year again. If you're in the age bracket of Medicare or you're helping a parent who happens to be on Medicare, this is when you listen to the whole commercial. The annual election period starts October 15th and it runs through December 7th. You should be receiving your annual notice of change from your existing carrier. Pay attention because those changes are right there in the book. And of course, if it feels like you're reading a different language when you look at it, that's what we're here for. Hi, I'm Derek from D&D Insurance. Our staff takes the mud out of the healthcare waters and explains it clearly so that you can make an informed decision. Bring in that book this year and let us help. We're located across the street from Industrial Credit Union in the Ferndale Market Center. You'll see us sandwiched between the auto licensing and downtime taps. Or give us a call at 392-8159. We look forward to seeing you here at DND Insurance. You've earned your retirement and you're ready to fully embrace it. So why not do it with style at Meadow Greens Retirement? You'll enjoy active, independent living with amenities like the library lounge, wellness program, and expansive social calendar. Indulge in three daily meals made from scratch, get pampered at the on-site salon, and join in for Friday night socials. Meadow Greens is active retirement, the only locally owned retirement facility in the county with one and two bedroom apartments with full kitchens available offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a meal at the Outward Nine or the Duck Hook Bistro. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Hi, I'm Josh Howe, director here at Meadow Greens. I'd like to personally invite you to come to our community. I look forward to showing you all that we have to offer. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. Psst, psst, hey, psst, hey, you. No, uh, no, it's not your phone, it's me, the radio. Turn me up, you need to hear this. 
Looking for new furniture or a new mattress? Box Drop is the spot. Box Drop always offers 30 to 80% off retail prices on brand new furniture and mattresses with easy financing available. Stop by in Sequoia Drive off Cordata Parkway or find Box Drop Bellingham on social media. Comfort and style awaits at Box Drop Bellingham. Delivery available. Honey, look what I brought home. Not a cat. You know I'm allergic. Well, you know what they say. When the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> Why didn't you just call Biobug? Have you had enough of playing cat and mouse? Biobug Pest Management is here to help. Whether you have rats or mice in your business, residence, or commercial building, Biobug is committed to providing a solution that's right for you. To learn more and get your free quote, visit Biobug.com. Biobug Pest Management. Service you trust, experience you expect. Now hiring service techs. Business owners, you have job openings? We have HireMeWa.com. HireMeWa.com is Cascade Radio Group's hyper-local job board. It's free and easy to use. Upload your available job listings today. Job seekers can post resumes, too. HireMeWa.com is available 24 hours a day. Check back frequently. New job listings added regularly. HireMeWa.com. Business owners, post your job openings for free right now at HireMeWa.com. That's HireMeWa.com. HireMeWa.com is a service of Cascade Radio Group and this station. With more ways than ever to connect to news and entertainment, 90% of new car buyers want the tried-and-true AM-FM radio option. Gadgets are great, but when you're behind the wheel, you just want that local connection that you can't get from online apps. Local radio is dependable and free, with no subscription or cellular data required, and no fumbling with a separate device. Visit wearebroadcasters.com and tell us how you depend on AM radio stations like KGMI, and how you want AM included in your next new car. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Downey here with you this Sunday morning. Going to continue on with our economic reports coming out. And we saw that the October Housing Starts report came out this week as well. And housing starts rose slightly in October as home builders continue to wrestle with all kinds of headwinds, crosswinds, and tailwinds. Looking at the big picture during COVID, a combination of extremely low interest rates and pressure to work from home led to a big migration in the suburbs and beyond and high demand for single-family homes. Then the economy reopened, causing many people to flock back to cities, sparking a boom in apartment projects. Currently, the number of multi-unit properties under construction is hovering near record levels, going back to 1970 when records began. Now it looks like the move back to the cities has petered out when leaving the glut of apartments. Meanwhile, owners of existing homes are hesitant to list their properties and give up those sub-3% mortgage rates, so many prospective buyers have turned to new builds as their best option. This has created a huge gap in the data, with the construction of single-family homes up 13.1% in the past year, while multi-unit starts are down 30%. In other words, home building isn't falling off a cliff, and this isn't a repeat of the prior housing bust back in 2007, 8, and 9. Looking at the details in the report, both single-family and multi-unit starts contributed to the headline gain in October, although starts were revised down modestly in prior months. Housing permits rose 1.1% in October, beating the consensus expectation, driven both by single-family and multi-family units. Notably, single-family permits have risen every month since early this year, signaling that developers are finally finding their footing in what has been a challenging year of sales. And while we don't see housing as a driver of economic growth in the near term, recent numbers are certainly not what you'd expect to see if there was a severe housing bust like the 2000s was on the way either. And let's go back here and also take a look at our October Industrial Production and Capacity Utilization Report. 
And industrial production disappointed in October with a six-tenths of 1% drop, tying the largest decline of 23. Prior month's data was revised down as well. And while there wasn't much to get excited about, it is notable that most of October's drop was due to the volatile auto manufacturing sector, where activity plunged 10%. This was the biggest monthly decline since the early days of COVID when factories across the country shut down. However, the dive in October was driven by strike activity at many major manufacturers and should bounce back in November as strikers go back to work. Excluding the auto sector, manufacturing activity was unchanged. Another source of weakness in October was the utilities sector, which is volatile and largely dependent on weather, which posted a decline of 1.6%. The bright spot in this report was the mining sector, which increased four-tenths of 1% in October. That's the fastest pace of oil and gas extraction, along with drilling and new wells offset a decline in extraction for other minerals. One other thing to highlight in this report was the production of high-tech equipment, which is up 14.5% in the last year. That's by far the strongest growth of any major category. Further, That growth has been accelerating recently up from an even faster 28.8% annualized rate in the last six months. This likely reflects investment in AI, as well as the restoring of semiconductor production, which remains strong due to the chips activity, despite broader weaknesses in the industrial sector. In another factory news, the Philadelphia Fed Index, which measures manufacturing sentiment in that region, rose at a still weak reading of minus 5.9 in November from minus 9 in September. The region is home to auto manufacturers, which are likely affected by the UAW strike. In employment news, initial claims for jobless benefits rose 13,000 last week to 231,000. Meanwhile, continuing claims rose 32,000 to 1.865 million. Also, we saw import prices fall about eight-tenths of 1% in October, and while export prices declined 1.1%. In the past year, import prices are down 2%, while export prices are down 4.9%. Finally, the NAHB Housing Index, which is a measure of home builder sentiment, fell to 34 in November from 40 in October. This was the fourth consecutive decline, and it coincides with a recent jump in mortgage rates. A reading below 50 signals that a far greater number of builders view conditions as poor versus good. Continue to keep an eye on what's going on in that housing market. And we also saw a report come out this week that says that we expect health insurance is about to boost inflation after months of relief. We have a change in how the government estimates health insurance costs is expected to give a slight boost to the popular U.S. inflation measure, reversing a trend that has been providing some relief in recent months. Beginning with Tuesday's release of the October Consumer Price Index of this week, the Bureau of Labor Statistics is going to roll out a few changes in how it tabulates the category. In addition to a routine change in source data, the new methodology will aim to smooth some of the other volatility and reduce time lags in the index. After being relatively stable or reliable drag on overall inflation in the past year, the new computation is widely anticipated to put upward pressure on the headline CPI, at least in the near term. It's also going to boost a narrower subset of services inflation that excludes energy and housing. The Federal Reserve monitors so-called core services closely but computes it based on separate price index figures within the consumer personal consumption indexes and the income report. We think the Federal Reserve will continue to look past these shifts in health insurance or CPI, as these estimates do not factor into the construction of the PCE index, which is the Fed's preferred gauge. The metric is much more comprehensive than the retained earnings report concept that is used in CPI. Health insurance policies and premiums vary widely. The Bureau of Labor Statistics computes the cost with an indirect method. Essentially, it reflects the business cost of offering consumers health insurance, where services for seeing a doctor or a hospital stay are calculated separately and are at or near record high price levels. 
The health insurance index, by contrast, is currently at its lowest rating in nearly six years, but what Americans actually pay for coverage is a different story. U.S. employers expect the total benefit cost for employees to raise 5.4% in the average next year, even after they take changes in their plans to slow cost growth, according to a preliminary survey from the workforce consultant Mercer. Other polls have found that nearly 40% of Americans have had to forego health care because of they couldn't afford it. The CPI, Index of Health Insurance Measures, what customers pay for their policy, is not distributed out in benefits, also known as the insurer's retained earnings or profit margins. The Bureau of Labor Statistics currently receives this data annually, but is switching to an semi-annual update in order to reduce lags in the index. In the past year, health insurance category has fallen by roughly 4% clip each month. Bloomberg Economics and Bank of America Corp. expect the changes to result in CPI health insurance rising roughly 1% starting in October report. Barclays sees a pace lasting through March of 24 once the BLS incorporates their semi-annual data, while Goldman Sachs Group expects the category to slow to a flat rating by April. And while these projections should only boost the CPI by a few basis points at most. The change in, in methodology comes at a time when great getting inflation down to the Fed's target has proved long and bumpy. Disinflation is not always a smooth ride, according to the Bank of America economists said in a note, health insurance inflation should prove to be another source behind our relatively firm core services and core CPI print. TD Securities forecast a much larger impact, a 1.8% monthly rate for the year starting in October, which would add nearly a percent, half a percentage point to core inflation in the next 12 months. And the monthly and annual measures of core overall CPI are expected to slow in October after retreating gasoline costs. But excluding energy and food prices, the core metric is seen staying at levels above the Fed's target. So continue to see different parts of the economy being infected differently, different parts of it reflecting inflation. Take a quick hit here. We're going to talk a little bit about veterans burial benefits and funeral planning and how you need to avoid some scams. If you're a veteran surviving family or a caregiver, you may be eligible for expanded burial benefits that cover certain funeral expenses. However, scammers may contact you saying that for a fee, they can do the paperwork and guarantee the benefits you get. Other scammers pretend they'd be from the VA, calling, texting, or emailing on its behalf. The VA, though, will never contact you, will never contact you out of the blue and ask for your credit card or bank account information. So making funeral arrangements is never easy. To begin with, there's so these scams only serve to make things even more challenging. So what can you do to avoid possible pitfalls? Well, one, you can check the VA's list before discussing your benefits with anyone. Applying for VA benefits is free. If you want help applying, use VA-accredited VA agents, veteran service organizations or VSOs, or accredited attorneys. You need to confirm that the person helping you is accredited by the VA and check the VA searchable list for approved individuals. If possible, you research your eligibility ahead of time. Make a plan. VA burial benefits can help you arrange for burial or memorial services in a VA national cemetery. The VA has information about eligibility and how to apply. The National Cemetery Administration, which is part of the VA, also has a resource guide and video for more details. So whether you're using VA benefits or not, you have rights when shopping for funeral services. The Federal Trade Commission, or the FTC, enforces the FET funeral rule, which allows you to compare prices among funeral homes to choose only those goods and services that you want or need to pay for, and only those that you select. If a funeral home won't answer your questions or give you the information that you've asked for, you need to look somewhere else and you also need to inform the Federal Trade Commission. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly.
Hi, I'm Brad Barron, CEO at Barron Heating, AC Electrical and Plumbing. We are grateful to have served you for over 50 years. As a thank you for choosing Barron, we're giving back through our Barron Furnace Fund this holiday season. Thanks to you, our team is thrilled to be able to give a furnace to three families in need of heat this winter. Here at Barron, we know the importance of keeping your home safe, warm, and comfortable. The Furnace Fund will provide proper heat for a family that would otherwise go without. So as the weather gets cold, help us eliminate one more worry for those in need by giving the warmth of a furnace. If you know a family that can benefit from this gift, we want to hear about it. Visit barronheating.com for details and to recommend a deserving family now through November 30th. Barron, your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Ready to upgrade your comfort system? For a limited time, Barron is offering a free water heater with the purchase of a new heating and cooling system. Don't wait. Call Barron for details today. Thursday night football comes to Seattle on Thanksgiving night as the Hawks host the San Francisco 49ers at Lumen Field. We want to make your turkey day extra special and send you to Seattle for the NFC West showdown. We're giving away two tickets to one lucky listener as the Hawks host the Niners on Thursday, November 23rd, Thanksgiving night. To get registered, just go to this station's website and click the contest tab. Then find the Seahawks vs. 49ers sweepstakes and fill out a registration form. Entries close November 21st at 12 p.m. For more details, visit this station's website. Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by Dewey Griffin Subaru, Ferndale Downtown Association, Lydia Place, UA Local 26, and Lorraine's Window Coverings. Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you. Got questions for me? Give me a call. 360-733-1200. Anger is what is driving the U.S. economy. As it turns out, the big economic story of 2023 is not a recession as many had predicted. It's the disconnect between consumer sentiment and their behavior. Higher than normal inflation over the last two years is an obvious reason that people would be down about the economy. The puzzle is why people are still behaving as if their economic situation is good. Inflation-adjusted consumer spending is way up, not only above 2019 levels, but above the pre-pandemic trend. In fact, It's largely the reason that U.S. economic growth is above expectations, and yet consumer sentiment is at levels typically seen only in a recession. All of which raises the question, what is going on? Economists tend to believe actions over words. You can insist that you prefer a vegetarian diet, but if you keep eating hamburgers, we have to conclude that you actually prefer an omnivorous diet. So, to say the economy is terrible, but spend like it's 1999, some economists will tend to trust you do over what you say. And the question is reliability of the polls. These economists argue that the data showing a strong economy, including outsized consumer spending, imply that people are not being honest about how they feel about the economy. Instead, they're aligning their views with political preferences. This argument maps on to the large disparity between Republican and Democratic views on the economy, a gap in attitudes that is not matched by a gap in their economic experience. When inflation is the obvious pain point in the economy, it's also been substantially reduced, the high of more than 9% last year to 3.7% today. However, if we continue its decline, but the current rate is within historic norms of the U.S., and even a bit lower than it was in 2011. So this brings me to another common explanation for the disconnect between people's anger and their behavior. It's the prices, stupid. Economists focus on inflation, the rate at which prices are rising. Consumers tend to focus on the actual prices themselves. The challenge is that even with inflation under control, prices will stay high. This helps explain why 35% of Americans said in May 
that inflation and the high cost of living were their most important financial problem. And yet, the very same inflation was also boosted incomes, which have risen even after adjusting for inflation. This may explain why Americans keep spending even as they complain about inflation. People love to wax nostalgic about the good old days when everything was cheaper. Of course, wages were a lot lower back then, too. People rarely wax nostalgic about that. This kind of selective memory illustrates a concept called money illusion, which is the habit of judging some transactions based on nominal values rather than real ones. Money illusion makes people really hate inflation, even when it benefits them. It has contributed to the increase in the value of homes and investment portfolios, for example. But then there's the frequency illusion, and a combination of selective attention and confirmation bias, which may be making it hard to recognize the fact of lower inflation. When inflation is low, it is for much of the last three decades, our brains simply ignore it. Now our brains are alerted to inflation. Confirmation bias can lead us to look for it. And when price, some prices go up, as they always do, this bias makes them more salient. People end up believing that price increases are more common than they actually are. Money illusion doesn't just affect feelings, however. It can also affect behavior. In one study, researchers asked people to imagine an economy in which everything had gone up 25%, including their income. Then they were asked to think about a leather chair that they had planned to buy for $400. Two-fifths of the people said that they would not buy the chair at its new price of $500, even though their income had also risen by 25%. These cognitive biases show how inflation is different from other economic experiences, such as unemployment. But since these biases also affect behavior, they can't completely explain the gap between feelings and actions. Which brings me back to my original question. Why is the gap between attitudes and actions so large? Much of the economic anger expressed in polls may be less about economic, current economic conditions and more about the economy that the U.S. has built over the last 40 years, one of high rising inequality, with greater economic fragility due to high income volatility and reduced safety net. A deeper set of anger about how the economy is rigged has been simmering since long before the pandemic. And this anger, mixed with real pain and inflation, the frustration borne out with cognitive bias and partisan politics, has, has cre created a toxic stew. The result is that at the moment when America should be celebrating an economy that has outperformed both expectations and its international competition, people are gloomy and anxious. Like a dysfunctional family, we're heading into the holiday season overflowing, not with joy, but with resentments. And we get lots of questions and stuff out here, but we've got a little, little one we're going to cover here first. We're going to talk about how do the retirees with $5 million in savings spend their money. For most Americans, saving something for retirement can be a challenge. Reflected in an analysis from the Employee Benefit Research Institute showing that 49.5% of American families have no savings in tax-advantaged retirement accounts, another 22% have less than 50000 but some individuals have managed to save significantly more, with the top one-tenth of one percent of savers having at least five million stashed in these accounts. And while those with less wealth might expect that such retirees are living lives of luxury, this often is not the case. For some of them, the frugal habits that help them build such wealth are hard to shake, though many do end up splurging on priorities like travel and charitable giving. Others use this wealth to provide flexibility with their work, while some retired early, others leverage this savings to semi-retire and work fewer hours. Still others continue to work if they start in a new field, well past traditional retirement age for the sense of purpose that it can provide rather than the financial benefits. Having significant retirement savings also gives these individuals greater flexibility in terms of claiming Social Security benefits, many of them electing to wait until age 70 in order to maximize their monthly benefit, which go up at 8% every year that you wait past your normal retirement age. 
In the end, having $5 million or more saved for retirement can provide a high level of financial security, particularly if it does not have the support of an excessive level of spending. But there are many paths for individuals with this level of wealth to can take with their spending, giving, and their legacy interests. Always kind of interesting as we meet with people that have different amounts of money and what their perceptions are and what they need to do, where they need to go. And we get questions all the time about IRAs and what have you. And this one came in and says, I have a large amount of stock from a previous employer in my 401k. I've been reinvesting the dividends for the last 23 years since I left the company. I no longer want to reinvest the dividend to buy additional shares. Most of the stock has appreciated considerably since I bought it. Says I'm still working for another year with a fairly high tax bracket. After I retire, I plan to take the stock out of the 401k and use the net unrealized appreciation strategy, or NUA, to get favorable tax treatment on the appreciated stock. The 401k has two options for dividends from the company stock, which is still in the 401k plan. I can either reinvest the dividend in more company stock or have them send me a quarterly check for the dividend amount. Will I jeopardize? the favorable tax treatment if I have them send me that quarterly dividend check in years before I proceed with the NUA distribution? Well, the answer is if you take only the dividends from company stock, which are, they will not eliminate your opportunity to still leverage your NUA tax strategy in the future. While many planned transactions, including normal distributions and planned conversions, or even a required minimum distribution will activate an NUA trigger that force you to complete the process in the same calendar year, taking only the dividends from your company stock will not jeopardize your future NUA conversion. And we had a second IRA question. This came about the IRA funded with silver coins. About three months ago, the depository I was using went into receivership due to illegal practices. Their emails indicated I could get back a portion of my investment, so I had the coins shipped to my house. This week, I received all the coins in my home. Nothing was lost in the process. I don't really want to send it out to another depository, but I know that there's a tax penalty involved. Could I put the equivalent amount of cash into my IRA and keep the silver coins and avoid the penalty? And the answer that we have is no. You cannot replace the silver coins with cash. Taking your coins and trying to roll over cash violates the same property rule. If an IRA owner takes out coins, he must roll over coins. If he takes out cash, he must roll over cash. If he takes out stock, he must roll over stock. In this situation, we have a taxable distribution of the coins to the IRA owner. If you're under 59 and a half, no exception applies. The 10% penalty is also a possibility. To avoid taxes and the penalty, the actual coins must be rolled over within 60 days to another custodian who will accept such a rollover. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. Don't forget our live show next Saturday at 11 o'clock. Got questions for us? Give us a call, 360-733-1200. Have a great week. Voiced on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.